Welcome back to World Changers, the podcast where we dive into the lives of the greatest people who have ever lived. And I've got Stephen here with me. Hey, guys. My name is Brett, and we're just going to dive in today to the life of Julius Caesar. All right, let's get started. Okay. Let's start off with a summary of his life. Yep. So he's born around, he's born July 12th or 13th, 100 B.C. Yep. So, uh, some fun facts about what's happening. And obviously, this is 100 years before Christ is there. The Roman Empire is pretty strong. It's yeah. about to get a lot stronger. Uh, the Great Wall of China is still getting built, okay. which okay. is uh, pretty fun. And if you, uh, right here, you can see the, the Roman Empire was well, big. You can't see. Can if you see. subscribe um, and follow us and like us on Facebook, you can get the new video version of our podcast. <laughs> Um, but the Roman Empire was large, but it is about to grow immensely under yeah. the reign of Julius Caesar. Basically surrounds the Mediterranean Sea, right? Yeah, and he was actually born, it says 100 B.C., but it was actually the year 654, ab urbe cordita, which means in the year since the city's founding. It's kind of What it, city? Rome? Rome, yeah. So they had, their oh. own, they had their own calendar. I mean, people have had calendars right. all over. Um, so kind of funny, the year 654, but now we say the year 100 BC. You mean at that point they weren't saying, oh, in 100 years, Christ is going to be born, so <laughs> let's just call this 100 BC. Yeah, so... His, uh, his father died when he was 16. Crazy. Yeah. Unreal, child. dude. Every time. Every time. And did if you have, you have had else? a parent die, do not be sad. The chances of you <laughs> being... You will be on a podcast in about 2,000 years. You can change the world. <laughs> Did you have anything from, like, his birth to age 16? It says that little is recorded of his childhood. Yeah. I, um, it said, so he came from a pedigree. Uh, the Juli Cesaris um, is what, what they're called. I yeah. guess the name was kind of passed down. But uh, they were never particularly uh, influential politically. Mm-hmm. But about the time that... Uh, Julius is born they uh, start to get a little bit more traction and their political fortunes start to kind of grow and they become a little bit more uh, influential yeah he got married also when he was 16 so that same year when his father died he married a woman named Cornelia Mm -hmm. pretty name yeah that uh, marriage kind of caused some drama though yeah totally so you want to kind of tell that story there ends up being a civil war in Rome, and because of his marriage, he's aligned to one side, and that side ends up losing. Mm-hmm. And so the new uh, regime, uh, because he chose the wrong side, it kind of put him in a dangerous position with the new regime. Makes sense. Yeah. And so because of this, he ends up becoming a uh, going out into the army. Yeah, so he kind of had to get out of Dodge, and he joins the army, goes in, on some military trips to Asia and in Cilicia, which is the southern coast of Turkey today. And He served with distinction. He won something called the Civic Crown. Okay. I don't know how special that is, but I mean, special enough to be noted in the history books. Anytime you get a crown, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, right? the crowns can't be bad. And uh, at one point, he, uh, as you said, he was traveling around. There was, like, a really weird rumor about him having an affair with uh, a king named Nicodemus. Oh. And oh. he 
vehemently denied it for the rest of his life. Sounds a lot like Leonardo and how he was accused of doing something similar and how it was really embarrassing for him. That is interesting. Really really weird. We do know, like, very different from Leonardo, though, Julius Caesar had a lot of... Lovers. Lovers. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Women lovers. And was married multiple times to women. And so he's out there fighting this uh, regime that we talked about. Uh, The main guy was named Sulla, and he dies in 78 B.C. And so he kind of felt, you know what, I'm safe, I'm going to come home. I've been fighting for a while, and I will come home. Yeah, he came back to Rome and began his political career sort of as a prosecuting advocate. Yeah. You know, or as an attorney or a lawyer. Like Abraham Lincoln, kind of, right? He started off kind of being a lawyer. Uh Uh-huh. And they say he was an exceptional orator, um, and he was, quote, accompanied by impassioned gestures and high-pitched voice and ruthless prosecution of former governors notorious for extortion and corruption. Wow. So sound like a Harvey Dent. Yeah. Just like an awesome guy who could really speak very well and was just shutting down bad guys. Will he live long enough to see himself become a villain, though? That's the question. I think some people may say he did. Yeah. He also studied philosophy for a bit at Rhodes in Greece. And that that. that would have been sort of where he further developed his oratory skills and um, studied those sort of Greek philosophy and those kinds of uh, things that they taught there. He was a smart, he was an educated, smart guy. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't just some uh, brute military leader. No. So after, you know, he's doing this law career, he's learning philosophy, he gets elected... um, to a military tribune, it's first step in his political career. So from here on, he's just going to kind of slowly start climbing up this political ladder. He was elected, I don't know how to say this, Quaestor um, in 69 BC. Um, and that's the same year that his wife Cornelia died. Yeah. So we're about, what is that, uh, 31 years into his life. Uh-huh. And he's in, a, in the middle of a pretty good, promising political career. Yeah, and then he remarries in 67 BC to the daughter of that Roman dictator, Sulla. Yeah. yeah, her name was Pompeia. But they ended up getting divorced in 62 BC. Yeah. So after about five years, he didn't In the really... Bonadia scandal. Yeah, he, she was accused of, of infidelity, right? Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, so he... I didn't know that. I, I think... Basically, what happened is she he was she was accused of infidelity, and they weren't really sure if it was true. But Julius Caesar decided to divorce her because he believed that his wife should be above suspicion. Wow! So uh, around that same standards. time is where the the legend of the story uh, takes place, when he apparently encountered a statue of Alexander the Great, and realized that he was now about the same age as Alexander when Alexander had the world, quote, at his feet, mm-hmm. and he had achieved comparatively little. Yeah. So he's 31 years old. 31, is that when Alexander died? I think he was about 31. About that age, yeah. yeah. So 31, Alexander has closed his book and taken over the world and has cemented his name in the history books forever. And here, Julius Caesar is 31, and... He's a star. Feels like a failure. <laughs> feels like he's just gonna... We're never gonna know his name. Yeah. But we obviously do. But we do. Yeah, let's talk about why. Well, so in 61 or 60 BC, he served as the governor of the Roman province of Spain. 
so he's kind of moving up the political ranks. Yeah. He was elected as consul in 59 BC, which is the highest elected political office of the Roman Republic, mm-hmm. or it was at that time, obviously. And also in 59 BC, he married Calpurnia, and he would remain married to her the rest of his life. Interesting. And around the same time, uh, 59, 60 BC, uh, he was in a lot of debt, and he needed to satisfy his creditors, and uh, he turned to Marcus Lacinius Crassus, who will be a pivotal friend in his life, Mm -hmm. uh, one of Rome's richest men. And Crassus paid some of Caesar's debts and acted as a a guarantor for others in return for political support um, in his oppositions to the interests of Pompey. So we got Crassus, super rich guy. We got Pompey, who's a character we're about to uh, introduce as well. And he's 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 pretty much paying for Julius Caesar's support. Hmm. Paying him off. Nice. And then, well, they end up forming the first triumvirate. Well, yeah, interestingly okay. enough, Pompey and Crassus, they didn't like each other. Yeah. They, they kind of hated they each other rivals. for years. And Caesar, this is shows about uh, another one of his amazing skills, uh-huh. he, uh, he tries to reconcile them. And the three of them, they had enough money and political influence to control pretty much everything. Yeah. And they kind of realized this, you know. So he said, hey, it's it's honestly, let's be real here. It's honestly a lot like Kevin Durant and the Warriors, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like it, the triumvirate would have been with, with LeBron James too. So Caesar is the is Kevin Durant in this? I, I would say that Caesar would be Steph Curry, and it would be like Kevin Durant and LeBron James fighting over who's the best, and they kind of hate each other. And Steph Curry says, hey, guys, you join my team. We can rule forever. You know, and he kind of pacified these two competitors, and they formed the very first triumvirate, which means a rule of three men. Yeah, so pretty, and it was cemented um, by the marriage of Pompey to Caesar's daughter. So Pompey married his daughter Julia. Okay, cool. Yeah, Julius, Julia. Interesting. He just named her. We don't really hear a lot of guys named Julius, do we? Do you know any guys named Julius? Not so much anymore. But Julia is pretty cool. Well, my grandfather is named Julian. Yeah, that's a rare one. I don't. Yeah, Edelman, Julian Edelman. Is that his name? Julian Claire. Edelman. The, the oh yeah, Julian. Yeah. Anyways. Um. Yeah. So, like you said, that's one of the cool skills of Caesar. He was very diplomatic. Like he was able to take Pompey and Crassus, these heated rivals, and help them get along, yeah. so that they could rule the empire. And so he. Um, they, they make this triumvirate, and uh, his uh, government, his governorship, govern, edit this out, Stephen. Um, his governorship, uh, and thus his immunity from prosecution, was set at five years rather than the usual one. So they start making a little bit of, I guess you could say, like sketchy moves politically. Um, to try to sort of consolidate power. Yeah. They're slowly making their moves. Yeah. He, I read that he conquered Gaul. That was huge. Yeah. Between 58 and 50 BC. And Gaul is modern day France and Belgium. Wow. Okay. So he conquered that area to add that to the, the Roman Empire. And one of the first things they do, so, so he, they become the triumvirate, and um, shortly after, he goes out on these military 
um, adventures, and he yeah. really expands the the Roman Empire. Yeah. Uh, another thing he did, which was kind of like this slap in the face to the the people and the Senate about what was actually happening, was he made this rule. Uh, he demanded that a lot of uh, public property or or land was going to be forced to give to the poor. So like kind of a cool rule, I guess. Maybe mm-hmm. not. And he had this military to back it up. And he had Crassus, his men. And people started to realize, oh, my gosh, these three guys are in cahoots. Yeah. And we can't do very much about it. People kind of protested, and they just shut their protest down. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of like the very first fist slam on the table, and everyone kind of was, okay, well, you know. All right, man. Walk in line. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so then, so he goes out and he does this amazing battle, like you said, mm-hmm. and uh, and wins. And, and people loved him for it. And uh, while he's gone, though, his daughter, uh, Pompey's wife, dies in childbirth. Mm-hmm. And so Caesar quickly tries to re-secure, re-secure Pompey's support. He offers him his great niece, um, but Pompey declined. And then a few years later in 53 BC, Crassus was killed leading a, an invasion in the east and so this triumphant's falling apart right after it got started yeah so obviously so Crass, with Crassus out of the picture then it's sort of a rivalry between Caesar and Pompey and now they don't have that connection mm-hmm. anymore which was mm-hmm. Caesar's daughter right so in 49 and 48 BC Julius Caesar fights Pompey and ends up driving him into Egypt yeah, and Pompey was killed there. Well, there's a there's a pivotal pivotal moment with Pompey, where he's offered Julius Caesar's uh, what did we say great great niece, great niece right, and he declines it, and then he's appointed sole consul as an emergency measure, and he marries the daughter of a political opponent of Caesar. Oh wow! So that's when it was just kind of official. Trump is dead. Shiz hit the fan. So he kind of sides with the Senate. It's Senate and Pomp and Pompey versus Caesar and. Caesar comes back, and there's a really cool story. Uh, January 10th, 49 BC, where Caesar crossed the Rubicon River, the frontier boundary of Italy, with only a single legion, the Legion of the 13th Gemina. And that's when the Civil War was kind of started. It was kind of like this line in the sand. If you cross this, it's happening. And that's when the legend says that uh, Julius Caesar said, let the die, the die is cast, or let the die be cast. Awesome. You can kind of see the the imagery of casting some dye into a water, and you're never getting that dye out. You know, it's huh. it's changed, and it, we can't go back, kind of thing. And so he crossed, and and right, we, like what you were saying, cha- he got there, and Pompey's freaked out, even though he only has one legion with him, and Pompey and the Senate have a lot more men. They run away because this is he's by this time he is a veteran military leader, right? Mm-hmm. And they go to Egypt. And that's where he would have met Cleopatra. It's crazy. So already there's been three people on our list. We got Alexander the Great speaking from the dust, yep. and Cleopatra literally being there with him, which is cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so he, yeah, he drives Pompey to Egypt, and Pompey is killed. He was killed though by Cleopatra's brother. Yeah. So when he gets to Egypt, they're having a civil war. Cleopatra right. and her brother are both fighting for the pharaohship, the yeah. throne of Pharaoh. And the brother, in hopes to impress Caesar, kills Pompey. 
And, I mean, how does he feel about that? Yeah, it's sort of like how Alexander the Great felt when some random guy killed... Darius? Was it Darius? Darius, yeah. yeah. The, the Persian His ruler. longtime rival. He's like, I've been chasing this guy down, and you just kill him? Like that's... It's like Joker and Batman, how they Joker kind of likes Batman. Yeah. You know? But they also are trying to stop each other, but they also have, like, this mutual respect. Yeah. Felt like, I mean, Pompey... He married his daughter at one point, you know? Yeah, they were pretty close. Yeah, it was his son-in-law. And so he was pretty frustrated, so he sides with Cleopatra. Yeah. And they end up defeating Cleopatra's brother. We talked about that in the Cleopatra episode, but... So Pompey dies, so then the triumvirate's totally gone. It's just Julius Caesar that's left. And he returns to Rome and was made... and declared himself dictator. Which... Is that the same meaning that we think of it as today? or No, not exactly, because it was more because the Ro- Rome was a republic, and so it wasn't a you know dictatorship where one guy is just ruling everything, though it could have turned into that eventually. But there was still a senate that would be the partial ruler of the republic, and but... You know, dictator was sort of like saying he was the president or the prime minister or something yeah. like that. So he becomes the president, the leader. Yeah. And uh, he makes Mark Antony, uh, quote, master of the horse or second in command. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so he becomes uh, dictator. And he, one thing, though, is he was really influenced by the Egyptian lifestyle, their luxuries, even some of their sciences, uh, he brought back and was uh, inspired uh, by their calendar. Mm-hmm. He actually changed the calendar to June. We can talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah. He relieved national debt and expanded the Senate. He did a lot of good things. He's doing he's doing pretty good. Um, and he uh, eventually he he has to kind of get rid of all of Pompey's followers. So he ends up going on all these little side ventures. He ends up going to Africa and he kind of eliminates Pompey's last senatorial supporters. And after this, he appoints himself dictator for 10 years. So he's just kind of like, he's doing good things, but it's also a little scary, I think, yeah. for some people. He's taken over. And his dictatorship, I guess we'll say, didn't last very long, did it? No, yeah. So I think it was only about a year, wasn't it? Well, from when he crossed the Rubicon, that river, 49 yeah. B.C., and his assassination was in 44 B.C. Okay. So he crosses that river, and then he spends, you know, a few years chasing down Pompey and killing him. Some time in Egypt. Yeah, and then in 44 B.C., at the ripe old age of 56, yeah. is when he is assassinated. So his power, this power that he was gaining, and it had sort of caused some envy and some fear among the members of the Senate. And so they plotted to kill him. It's so interesting because it doesn't seem like he was being very bad, you know? I don't know. Yeah, it, it's, it probably was, you know, it's envy, it's jealousy. Like, they yeah. want him to be in his position, so. So he died March 15th. Ides, Ides of, of March. March. Yeah. Yep. What does that mean, Ides? I don't know. We should have looked that up. <laughs> um, he, But a month before he dies, he declares himself dictator in perpetuity. So I think that was kind of the final straw. Yeah. Was he's like, I'm going to be dictator or president forever until I die. And that is an emperor. That's not looking, people are scared of that. And I think rightfully so, you know, if the wrong person gets into uh, some sort of position like that, they can do a lot of bad. Yeah. So he was assassinated 
actually in the Senate, right, in a Senate meeting. Wow. They came at him with knives, yeah. stabbed him to death. And uh, so right before Mark Antony, his number, the number two guy, kind of learned about it, and um, they, you know, he, he tried to warn him, but didn't, didn't be able to, couldn't warn him in time. This guy named Casca produced a dagger, and it said that he made a glancing thrust at the dictator's neck. And this is pretty big. I don't know how real this is. But it says that Caesar turned around quickly and caught him by the arm. Hmm. Yeah. And then he started yelling, like, what are you doing? You crazy man. And then he yelled, help me, brothers, help me. And then everyone came up upon him. And they say 60 men participated in the assassination. Wow. Yeah, he was... A little overkill, I think. Oh, my gosh. 60 on one. <laughs> and 23... He was stabbed 23 times. According to uh, Celetonius, a physician uh, later established that only one wound, the second one to his chest, had been lethal. Uh, so he could have survived the rest of them? Yeah, they didn't stab him very well. But he was quick, apparently. I mean, I wonder... Uh, these, this, he, was a, uh, he was a general. He was a military leader. He was tough. Yeah, he knew how to fight. And these were politicians. They might have been like little weak, pathetic guys, you know, and... yeah. That's a pretty crazy way to go out. 60 men stabbing you to death. And then the famous line. Et tu, Brute? So Brutus was one of his closest friends. Yeah. And the legend goes that as he's being attacked, he sees Brutus and he says, Et tu, Brute? Yeah. Which means... Me too, Brutus. So sad. Yeah. Oh, man. I felt so bad for him. And... This isn't about his life, but we can go a little bit into about what happens after. There's a civil war. People are frustrated. A lot of the uh, normal folk, you know, the citizens, felt that they loved Julius Caesar. They loved what he was doing. And a couple of men at the top thought that they knew what was best, and they killed him without asking them at all. And so all the people were frustrated, super mad, and... Uh, there ends up being a civil war. Yeah. Mobs attacked Cassius and Brutus's homes. Uh, like you said, Julius Caesar, was, and he was sort of considered a martyr by a lot of people. Wow. They, you know, and they kind of deified him as, and, and called him the divine Julius. Wow. I mean, there was a temple. The temple of Caesar was erected just a few years later. Mm. Yeah, so they loved him. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean... It doesn't seem That's like he... politics, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, and his... Oh, yeah, you go. You, bring, you talk about Octavian? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, his uh, nephew... Yeah, I think he's a great nephew. Great nephew, Octavian. He's, he's like 18 at the time, and pretty much there ends up being two sides, Mark Antony and Octavian versus Brutus and... Cassius. Cassius. So two of the assassins versus uh, Julius Caesar's great nephew and his right-hand man. And uh, Octavian and Mark Antony end up winning. Mm-hmm. And, and they become part of the second triumvirate. They make eventually. a second triumvirate, but then they end up going against each other as well. Yeah. And that's when Mark Antony gets Cleopatra's help, and yep. they lose to Octavian. Octavian wins and becomes emperor. And then Cleopatra kills herself, Mark Antony's killed, and then uh, Octavian becomes the very first Caesar, right? Yeah, first emperor for the Roman Empire. All right. Should we jump into some quotes? Let's go into some quotes. All right. I came, I saw, I conquered. Vinny, vidi, vici. Vinny, vidi, vici. 
That's such a good one. As a, oh, go ahead. As a rule, men worry more about what they can't see than about what they can. Mm-hmm. I think that's so cool. Fear of the unknown. Yeah. Right? Being afraid of the dark or something. It just kind of resonated with me. Yeah. Anyways. If you must break the law, do it to seize power. (laughs) (laughs) No way. That's a quote. In all other cases, observe it. Now, disclaimer, some of these quotes might be from Shakespeare. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'd say 90% of them are. I couldn't separate when I was... It's hard searching for them. Um, Like this one, I'm pretty sure is. Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. I think that one's from the play. Yeah, Yeah. such a good line. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong quoting some Shakespeare, though. So. Yeah, we gotta do Shakespeare. Yeah. That'd we be a good one. Yeah. yeah. We should probably do Octavian, too, right? Yeah, for sure. Men in general are quick to believe that which they wish to be true. Mm. I had that one. Yeah. That one's cool. It's easier to find men who will volunteer to die than to find those who are willing to endure pain with patience. That was my last one. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Who says that? It's from that Hamilton play when George Washington says... Um, it's easy to die. It's harder to live. Remember that? And then yeah. he's like, it's easy to live. It's harder to lead. Remember that? Dying Do- is easy, young man, but living is harder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, well, that was a quick quote section. Yeah, so we'll jump into some cool stories. Let's go to some cool stories. Okay, I'm going first. Go first. you probably have this one, too. Okay. But So I mentioned that he went to Rhodes, or Greece, to study philosophy. On the way, he was sailing there, and he was kidnapped by pirates. Did you get this? Yes. Yeah. This is cool. So he was kidnapped by pirates on the way to Rhodes. They held him for ransom, but Julius Caesar was like, your ransom is way too low. (laughs) So he's like, you need to raise your ransom. I'm worth more than that. Um, Ends up getting that ransom paid, so he's freed. Um, and then he organizes a naval force to go and find those pirates, and he captured them and executed them. <laughs> so, so cool. Yeah, pretty cool. So he got kidnapped by pirates, and then he pirated the pirates. Um, I think what's interesting is the name Caesar and how it exists in other languages. Like, um, hmm. the, the, um, the most prominent one is the czars of Russia. Czar is just sort for Caesar. Yeah. I think a lot of people looked towards him uh, as the pinnacle or the epicenter. Yeah, I guess they just considered his name synonymous with ruler. Yeah, really cool. He had a really big impact on him. That was cool. We mentioned that he had gone to conquer Gaul, the area that is now France and Belgium. And he was pretty ruthless in his fighting. In one instance, he waited for his enemy's water supply to dry up just so they would die of thirst. And then he ordered all the survivors' hands to be cut off. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, he was was ruthless. Um, Okay. Uh, He held some fun games when he was kind of escalating his political career and when he uh, when he became dictator, he had these triumphal games, beast hunts involving 400 lions, gladiator contests, a naval battle. Um, and at one point he had, at the Circus Maximus, two armies of war captives, each of 2,000 people, 200 horses, 
and 20 elephants all fought to the death. That's 4,000 people, 200 horses, and 20 elephants. I wonder who won. Yeah, who wins? Is it an elephant who wins? one elephant just standing in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) He actually loved, that's another fun one. He loved elephants, and um, people talked about where his name came from and from this ancient guy. And anyways, he ended up putting elephants on the coin, on some of the coins. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah, because he like, liked the idea of a legend about one of his ancestors fighting and killing an elephant. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned his name. Um, I, I think a lot of people assume that Julius Caesar was born by cesarean section, mm-hmm. but I read that he actually wasn't. Yeah. That, um, the the. But the name Caesar comes. Uh, you know, it's a little bit in under dispute about what where it actually comes from. But uh, a while back, there was a a word that meant to cut. And that's sort of where the cesarean section yeah. thing comes around, but he wasn't actually born by by C section. It's really, really unlikely. There's not. It, it was not even so dangerous yeah. at that time. You know. Well, they say it wasn't even till like the 12th century when this scholar and physician named my Mono, my mo, my Maimonides. Maimonides wasn't even till the 12th century scholar physician Maimonides. He, he didn't even think it could be done in the 12th century. Yeah. So it was just so dangerous. It was basically something they would do when they knew the mom was going to die. Anyway. The mom dies and they wanted to bury them separately. They wanted to Or if like the mother was going to die and the they, baby. Knew, they had to just, yeah. they knew she was going to die so mm-hmm. they would just cut the baby out anyway to try to try to save it. What's interesting though is the term C-section or something similar to it exists in every language. German, Norwegian, Danish, right. Swedish, Turkish, Hungarian, Japanese, Korean... Russian, Serbian, Hebrew, Romanian, Portugal, and it's like Cesariana or uh, Sartsky Rez or Sizetsky Sizatsky. Like they all have to do with some sort of thing with Caesar. Hmm. So it's really interesting that it's it's uh, permeated all of those different cultures and languages. Yeah, that um, is crazy. Like even the Asian languages and stuff. You said yeah, Japanese, even Korean. Asian. Because I was thinking it probably might just come from a le- like a really old. Latin word, some kind of root that means yeah. to cut or something like that, but I don't know how that would have made it to Japan. It's crazy. Well, let's go on to our last section, final thoughts about why Caesar was great. Okay. I'll go first. I think Caesar was... Sometimes we have people that I think were great because of circumstances. I don't want to say they got lucky. They stepped up when they had the opportunity. I think Caesar would have been successful at any time. I think he was tough. Um, I think he was really smart. That What he did with his military and how he conquered all... I mean, I looked it up, and obviously this is very subjective, but on a few lists I saw, he was in the top five generals of all time. Wow. One of them had top three. Yeah. Hmm. So Alexander the Great was a general his whole life. He just conquered places. Julius Caesar was a general, and then he was a politician. You know, he, he pacified these two men and made this triumphant. The likes, which, you know, I don't know if we've seen since. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think if, if he was born in the 20th century, he would, have, he would be famous today, I think. I don't, I don't know exactly for what, because the culture's changed so much. But I think, uh, I think he was, like I said, he was smart worked hard he was tough physically yeah and he seemed to really know how to navigate the waters of uh, 
of society and what to do in, in different circumstances, make the right decision. Yeah, he was really well-rounded, I would say. And uh, you mentioned sort of being able to make his way in society. I think that he was probably a sort of a sort of social genius, right? We talk about yeah. like, the different types of intelligence. And he, I would say that he was definitely a, a genius in the social realm with... Understanding people. Yeah, exactly. And being able to create these alliances between people who were fierce rivals yeah. to create that first triumvirate. And then being able to bring about or have those skills hand-in-hand hand with skills in, in fighting, you know, sort of physical skills, military, and also being very mentally strong, having a, being a really good orator, really good speaker, and it, I, th- I think just the way that, how well-rounded he was yeah. is, is a good I think he's one basis of, the, of his greatness. I think he's one of the greatest we've done so far. Yeah, I think he's really up there. I mean, it's it's hard to compare different realms, like you said, someone who's a socialite versus someone who's an artist. But he makes a compelling case. You know, he uh, really changed the world. Yeah. Well, on that note, that's all we got. <laughs>